powerful is the Cox Network. So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10, that's V-I-A-T-O-R-10, for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're about to receive a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, one church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church. And remember to love God, love people, and love life. We're not taking sides, we're taking over. Love by God and that harvest. I come to God as I am, but through today's life-giving message, I won't stay as I am. This is my banner year, which is my best year yet. In Jesus' name, remain standing with me. I want you to go to. Uh, I want you to go to Luke. Uh, actually, I tell you what. Actually, I want to send you somewhere else. Go to Genesis. Genesis chapter 50, verse number 20. Genesis 50, verse 20. If you're still flipping, you went too far. On your app, it's the one at the very top. Genesis 50, verse 20. Y'all ready? Now, now, I want us to read this together like the army that we are. Say we're an army. Say we're a movement. Genesis 50 and 20. Let's say it together. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day. Stop right there. Touch your neighbor. It's about to get real good. Now, now, leave the verse up for just a moment. He's talking to the very people that set him up He's talking to the very same people that betrayed him. He's talking to the very same people that were his enemies. And he says to them, after a whole bunch of crying, a whole bunch of stopping, a whole bunch of tears, a whole bunch of drama, he points to them. Look at me, church. Look at what he does. He points to them and he says, but as for you. Now, your you may not be people. Your you might be a battle you're facing right now. 
A person, place, thing, or idea. I just dare you to just point real quick. As for you, you meant this for evil. What's evil? Contrary to me. That's what it means in the scripture. It means you meant this to come against me, but what you didn't know is the whole time you were coming against me, God meant this for my good. For what purpose? To bring about today. Now, watch this. Say today. Now, for Joseph, that today for him was the day where he was going to be able to now step in and save the same people that he had suffered at the, their hands years earlier. Okay, okay, okay. Watch this. Uh, uh, but what that means for you and I, watch the verse, what that means for you and I is this, is it means, it says, watch this, to bring it about as it is this day. What happened this day? Joseph's reminiscing over the last 13 years of his life. Because all of his betrayal started when he was 17. He ascends to be the prime minister of Egypt, second in command at age 30. He takes a 13-year journey. Somebody say 13 years. 13 years. He takes a 13-year journey. And he's thinking about all those days over the last 13 years. And he says, ooh-wee, I've been through I, I've been through some, some stuff. Anybody else been through? But he says, he says, watch this. But after all those days, you know what's funny? Every battle, every problem, when I look back over it, it was already one. And you want to know how Joseph made it? Those 13 years? Say, how'd he make it, Bishop? He kept his head up. I want you to introduce this message to your neighbor on your left and your right. Encourage them and do it in your most thuggalicious voice. Tell them, keep your head up. Thuggalicious, that just means say it rough. Say it rough. That's all. This just means say it rough. Say, I'm going to keep my head up. some money trouble keep your head up even if you got a bad doctor's report keep your head up even if you feel like you can't take no more keep your head up father speak to us now for these next few moments customize taylor make this word for us your people that we move and walk in what you've ordained and this year it's that it would be our banner year our best year yet marked by significant accomplishment and achievement i am speaking to a victorious people i'm speaking to gladiators i'm speaking to conquerors that as we face every battle every problem we will keep our heads up and jesus name somebody shout hallelujah High five one more person. You got at least two more times to do it tonight. And just tell them, keep your head up. Keep your head up. You can be seated. Uh, as you know, we are in our series already won. Every battle, every problem already won. We just have to walk out what Jesus already worked out on the cross. And in this series, we're focusing on the everyday battles we face. And so far, church, we've learned that a battle is a fight or a struggle to achieve or resist something. And tonight's battle is to keep your head up while you're in battle. 
I'm here to tell you the tendency when you're in a battle is to keep your head down because you're trying not to look at what's going on around you. You've got guilt, you've got shame, you've got discouragement, you've got depression. But I came tonight to tell you, you better lift your head up while you're in battle. Somebody say, I'm going to keep my head up. So let's get right into the meat of the message tonight. Number one, battles are more easily won with the right circles. I've got three principles I want to give you tonight. Battles are more easily won with the right circles. It's difficult to keep your head up if you've got a bunch of people around you that keep dragging it down. Your head here, let's use it metaphorically in the sense that it's not just literally keeping your head up, but it's keeping your thoughts at a level that make you realize and recognize whose you are and who you are. I am a child of the king of kings, uh, but watch this. He's already made me to be, Revelation 1, 6 says, to be a king. I am the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. Now, my battle may be telling me something different, but my Bible tells me something different. My battle may be telling me that I'm beaten, bruised, and beat down, but my Bible tells me that this too shall pass. Why? Because he works all things together for the good of them that love him and are called according to his purpose. My battle may say it's evil, but just like Joseph said, what you meant for evil, it's working together for my good. We talked about this on Sunday, that your circle, if you're not checking your circle constantly, you're going to live your life in circles. Uh, if you're not checking your circle constantly, that you're going to think in circles. And so we learned on Sunday that there are three types of people currently in your circle. And it's going to be easier to win battles with the right circle around you. In fact, have you ever, do you remember coming up in school that if you have the right circle around you, there were some folks that wouldn't even approach you because they didn't want to deal with your circle? I want to ask you a question. Are you surrounded by armor bearers or by pallbearers? Uh, they look the same. They dress the same. They just don't play the same during the game. See, a pallbearer is trying to take somebody to a grave, but an armor bearer is blocking you from ever getting to a grave. If the people around you do not increase you, that means that they decrease you. And you're going to have to learn sometimes to be by yourself rather than being in a circle that is not helping you win. So we learned on Sunday that there are three types of circles. There are three types of people in your circle. The first were wine. These are people who get better over time. And I told you on Sunday that you could even be, I think it was 11, 15, you could, because you spend most of your time with yourself. So whether you know it or not, you're in your circle. So you need to make sure that you are a version of you that you want in your circle. Because self-talk sometimes is more important talk than other people talking to you. What you say to yourself about yourself is sometimes more important than what others say about you. So wine, wine people get better over time. Fine wine gets better over time. In fact, the longer, in fact, if for those of you, if you're a wine connoisseur, um, they'll say, oh, I got a bottle from, you know, 1932 or 1945 or whatever. And you're like, that's more expensive. And then you say, well, I, I, you know, see the way conventional thinking would say, well, shouldn't a bottle that's, you know, newer be more expensive? No, because it gets better over time. Got it? Which means, watch this. We've been talking a lot this year about evolving and evolution. And in your life, evolution means to go from an inferior level to a superior level, which means we've got to get better. Somebody say, I'm getting better. 
See, I may not be where I want to be, but I thank God I'm not where I used to be. I'm evolving and I'm getting better. And here's what you need to celebrate about your own life. I know there's some stuff that you got mad about in yourself today. I know there's sometimes you don't even want to deal with yourself because you're like, how did I make this mistake again? But what you need to do is say, baby, I'm just like a fine one. I'm getting better over time and I'm not perfected. I'm still in progress. I'm not fully there. I'm still evolving. Would you just thank God for 10 seconds that you're still evolving? No, where are the real folk at? I'm still evolving. I'm still growing. I'm still getting better. I'm still changing. But then the second type of person that could be in your circle are milk people. And milk people spoil over time. And we talked about this in great detail on Sunday at the 1115 uh, about how you can even be a milk type person where you start out on fire, but you don't see things through because you sour and spoil over time. And normally milk sours and spoils, watch this, when it's exposed to heat. So what happens is, watch this, make sure you're not the type of person that just because things get a little tough, all of a sudden now you're sour because, oh, I had a rough day, so now I got a bad attitude with everybody. Something didn't go my way, and so now I'm mad at God. Here's the reality. The French said like this, say la vie, such is life. You're going to deal with battles every single day, but because you love Jesus, every battle, every problem already won. He's not going to take them away. It's just already won. The third type of person is poison, and this is design, designed to destroy you over time. And we went into great detail about this. You've got to be careful. You don't have people around you that are poisoning you with toxic thoughts, poisoning you with toxic ideas. There are certain words I don't let people say to me. You may think, Bishop, that's crazy. No, 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 no. I can't be poisoned by average thinking because it'll seep in. And here's what I discovered. And matter of fact, it happened to me this morning. Say, say what happened, Bishop? Somehow some bleach got onto my chocolate towel. And, I, and, and, and somehow some bleach got on my chocolate towel. And when I looked at the bleach uh, on my chocolate towel, I was, I was like, you know, I was just looking at it. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. These are not chocolate and orange. These are just chocolate. Watch this. It only took a little bit to ruin the whole thing. When you're dealing with poisonous people, stop saying, you know, I can only take so much of them. Maybe that was all they needed to poison you. Do I have any witnesses in here where you were feeling great about today? You just left church. You're encouraged. You're inspired. Then you called your mama. Then you called your daddy. Then you called your cousin. Then you called your auntie. Sometimes you got to look at people and say, that's nothing but poison. Poison. And I don't have time for that. Say no poison. Wine, milk, poison. Battles are more easily won with the right circles. With wine, you're going to win every time. With milk, you'll win until they're tired. Anybody else got like a really tough work ethic? Like you really, you got a relentless work ethic. Like I'm done when I'm done. Anybody else like that? Ooh. Okay, let me say it another way. Anybody have a very intense work ethic that you like to get things done? You're an accomplisher? Okay, great. Okay. Okay, let me say it another way. Anybody like to succeed? Let me try it that way. Okay, 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 okay. I, I said, so when you've got that type of work ethic, wine gets it. Wine is like, I understand why you do all that. I understand why it takes all that. Milk is like, well, what is, you need 30 more minutes? Well, what are you doing in there? Why does it take so long? They don't get it because they've already spoiled, but wine is getting better. 
Never let anybody criticize you because you have a work ethic that won't let you settle for mediocre. It takes what it takes until it don't take what it takes. And when I'm done giving it what it takes, then I'm done. But until then, I'm not done. God rested, can I preach for a moment? Not because, watch this, uh, not simply because he was tired. He wasn't tired. He rested because he was done. In Genesis, the scripture says, and then God rested. Well, he wasn't resting because he needed a nap. He was resting because he was done. Number two, battles are won with the right rhythm. Now, I'm not talking about dancing. I was talking about dancing. Well, I don't know. I'll be seeing y'all doing praise and worship. Y'all, some of y'all be, y'all be having good, good rhythm. And everybody not laughing is the people like, oh, my God. I hope he, I hope he leaves this rhythm discussion alone. All right. Say rhythm. Battles are won with the right rhythm. Rhythm means a strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement or sound. I'll say it again. I'm going to slow it up. A strong, say strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement or sound. Go on evolution time. Go on evolution time. I, 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 come on, come on, come on. No, just all the way. Come on. Here they're playing with it. Come on, give it all the way. Okay, somebody say the rhythm. Uh-huh, somebody say the rhythm. Come on, give me all the rest of it too. Add all the rest of it too. Somebody say the rhythm. Somebody say it again, say the rhythm. Somebody say it one more time, say the rhythm. All right, so he's going to give us the rhythm. Come on, rhythm. Come on, rhythm. Somebody say rhythm. Somebody say it one more time. Say rhythm. Now, what's this? It's a strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement or sound. Say strong. Y'all feel that bass? You feel that bass? Say rhythm. Just keep it going. Say rhythm. So you already knew what to do to Hayes. I'm going to give you one time. Go. Here's how you lose a battle. When you change the rhythm. Let me show it to you in scripture. 2 Kings chapter 13, verse number 14. 2 Kings chapter 13, verse number 14. Battles are won with the right rhythm. 2 Kings 13, 14. Elisha had become sick of the illness which he would die. Elisha was the man of God. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. He was saying, Listen, I see it's time for you to die and go. Verse 18. Then he said, Take the arrows. What do you need an arrow for? A battle. He said, take the arrows. So he took them and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck three times. One, two, three. Then he what? Stopped. What did he have? One, two, three. What did he have? One, two, three. What's that called? Rhythm. 
What did he do after he had rhythm? Stopped. You were winning when you had one, two, three, Sunday, Wednesday. You were winning. Pray, praise, worship. You were winning. Tithes, offerings, first fruits. You were winning when you kept the rhythm, but you broke the rhythm, so you stopped winning. Y'all not saying nothing to me. So look at verse number 19. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck it five or six times. What is he saying? Why did you break the rhythm? Because when Elisha gave the instruction, he never said, do it three times. Which meant the directive was inherently perpetual. Keep the rhythm. Keep the rhythm. Clap it out. Keep the rhythm. God looks at you sometimes, and here's what you be doing. Your neighbor. Not you, your neighbor. So you start out keeping the rhythm. Just keep the rhythm. Keep with me. Keep the rhythm. And then watch this. You get a bill. You read somebody's passive-aggressive Facebook message. Y'all not saying nothing. And God says, why didn't you keep the rhythm? You stepped out of evolution time and went into hell time because because you stopped keeping the rhythm. So look at 19. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six steps. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. He says, but now you're going to only strike him three times. What happened? He stopped the right rhythm. Somebody say he stopped the right rhythm. So when in a battle, when you see something works, keep doing it. Don't stop doing what works to try something else. We are notorious for trying something else after seeing what works. You already know that when you get stressed, you're supposed to pop in a message. Why this time did you turn on some Tamar? Y'all not talking to me. Y'all not talking. Ain't nothing against you. I'm just saying, why did you stop the rhythm? Touch your neighbor and say, keep the rhythm. You already know how to give your way out of debt. Give your way out of debt. But this last time, instead of giving your way out, you got stressed out, and now you're still in debt. Touch your neighbor, say, keep the rhythm. You're a harvester, so why apply the messages to your life, watch them work, then try something different or divert from what works? You go to the gym, you know what works. So why did you decide to have a bright idea to change it up. Sometimes we like to change up stuff up for the sake of change, not understanding that change needs to have purpose. That's why we're talking about evolution time, not revolution time, because a revolution, nothing against it, it just means change, but it doesn't mean for the better. Evolution means change for the better. Somebody say, I'm in evolution. Now watch this, watch this, watch this. Don't judge God's participation in your life, nor your progress by a battle that's still in progress. Don't judge, excuse me, God's participation in your life, nor your progress by a battle that's still in progress. Because here's what will happen. Stuff will come at you to mess up your rhythm. And you just got to go, go right back to it. You just got to go right back to it. You just got to go right back to it. Touch your say, I just got to keep the rhythm. Say, I just got to keep the rhythm. That's all you got to do is just keep the rhythm. Turn the rhythm up so we can hear the rhythm. Touch your neighbor and say, keep the rhythm. 
That's how you gotta do. Come on, rhythm. Say, keep the rhythm. Even discouraged, keep the rhythm. Even frustrated, keep the rhythm. Even when you want to give up, keep the rhythm. Even when you think your marriage is about to fall apart, keep the Even if your children are acting crazy, keep Y'all not talking to me. Even if you feel like you don't have what it takes, keep the rhythm. Somebody give them a praise all in the place. So number one, church, battles are more easily won with the right what? Circles. Number two, battles are won with the right rhythm. Keep it. Keep doing what works. And unfaithfulness doesn't work. Sometimes it doesn't work. Not being a faithful giver doesn't work. Got it? Not praying and commanding your day doesn't work. I'm not putting guilt and shame on you. I'm just saying that if you don't keep the rhythm, you're not going to win the battle. He said, the man of God said to him, had you struck five or six times, in other words, he's saying, had you keep going, you will have destroyed Syria. He said, but now you're only going to strike them. In other words, he says, they're going to be back because you kept breaking the rhythm. And let me prophesy to somebody, it is not time in your life for you to have repetition of the same cycles over and over and over again. In fact, I speak it into your life that you are breaking a cycle that has been in activation in your life for generations. Somebody say, I'm the interruption. He says, you would have destroyed them had you kept the rhythm. You broke the rhythm, so now they're going to be back. And here's what you know about, about something when it comes back. It always comes back worse. Number three, and I got to quit. Number three, you learn in church? Battles are won with the right response. Battles are won with the right response. So number one, battles are won with the right circle. Number two, battles are won with the right rhythm. Number three, battles are won with the right response. Your response is your reaction. Okay. And your reaction, by definition, is a mode of thinking or behavior that's deliberately different from previous modes of thought and behavior. Did you catch that? So reaction, by definition, means I used to respond like that. I'm consciously choosing to respond now differently. Did you catch this, church? Now, when you're in a battle, here's how your response has to be. You've got to keep your head up say keep your head up now listen we already learned that's tough if two people know that that's tough most of us should know that that's tough because sometimes song says it's written all over your face you don't have to say a word you just got your head down oh life woe is me oh lord I'm just so tired lord I'm tired I'm just tired I'm tired of fighting, I'm tired of, I'm, I'm, I'm so tired, I'm tired of this, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, I'm tired of being tired about being tired, I'm just tired, I'm tired of being mad, I'm tired of cussing, I'm tired of not cussing, I'm tired of praying, I'm tired of fasting, I'm, where are the real people at, I'm just, I'm just tired, Lord, I'm just tired, I'm just, anybody you said that over the last 12 months, Lord, I'm tired, well, watch this. Here's what you need to do. You need to change your response. Now when you face a battle, you need to keep your head up. Now watch the text. I'm going to show it to you in the text. Watch this. Uh, uh, 
The way you keep your head up, I want to make it real practical, is you keep your eyes on Jesus. Now, that preach is good because Christians will be like, hey, man, Bishop, say it. But when I was sitting on the other side, people would say stuff like that. be like, what does that mean? You know, just put your hands in the Lord's hands. Well, okay, well, what does that mean? Oh, just trust in the Lord. Well, what does that mean? Here's what it means when I say keep your eyes on Jesus. It means you use his life as an example. Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus or keeping my head up, looking at Jesus. Watch this. The author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, him, he endured the cross, he despised the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, here's what I need you to get. Uh, say, look at him. Say it again. Say, look at him. In other words, I keep my head up by looking at his example. So when he wanted to give up, because he wanted to, you know what he said? Never the less at any moment he could have called down a legion of angels and let's just be honest if you and I were God we would have called him at the first sign of trouble trouble first sign of some stuff getting ready to go down oh whoa, whoa. you said what come on Mikey let's not mine ain't got no 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 <laughs> you don't want no problems big fella <laughs> you don't want no at the first sign of, I would have are you about to? Are you about to say like yeah, it's your security? But are you about to? You about to say something? You, about, you, about, you look like you about to say something crazy. I just, I'm about to push the button. But Jesus humbled himself, and here's what he did. He said, "100% God, 100% man." The Anthropos. So much God you can't believe his man. So much man you can't believe his God. His divinity was like you were built for this. His humanity was like this hurts. His divinity was like, you've got what it takes. But his humanity was like, no, I don't. That's the battle you and I sometimes have. Our divinity is saying one thing. Our humanity is saying something else. Uh, his divinity says, you were built to handle this. His humanity says, I'm so overwhelmed. His divinity says, you know how to navigate this. His humanity says, you don't even know where to start. But look what he does. He, he, he. He's the author and finisher. And Hebrews 12, 2 says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame. Say he endured. He dealt with the cross and everything that came with it. Then he dealt with the shame. Because it's one thing to go through a battle. It's another thing for the whole world to watch it. Have you ever gone through a battle that the truth was the battle wasn't the brutal part? It was the fact that all your friends knew. Okay. Where are the honest people at? You ever gone through a battle to where the battle wasn't really the issue. It's the fact that all of those family members that always said you weren't going to succeed. Now they're looking saying, I thought, didn't I tell you? I told you, I told you, I told you. Ooh, but I'm going to tell somebody tonight. Every battle, every problem, it's already won. Look at him. Looking unto Jesus. The cross wasn't the most difficult part, the text seems to imply. He had to deal with the shame. I'm God Almighty, yet I'm sitting here suffering like some chump. I made all this. I made you and your mammy. The sun, the moon, the rain, the stars, the water, I made it all. I did all of this and I'm now subject to who I created. 
Touch your neighbor and say, that's shame. You ever gone through a battle where the shame of it made you say, I don't want to do nothing but go to work and go home? I don't want to talk to nobody. Anybody ever been there? I don't want to deal with anybody. I don't want to speak to anybody. Forget Facebook. Forget Instagram. Forget YouTube. Forget I don't want. I don't want no two. I don't want nothing. Because I'm dealing with shame. The Bible says he dealt with the cross and the shame. So then what does he say? Look at him. If he did it, 100% God, 100% man, then guess who else can do it? We can because his humanity had to get up on that cross. That's what they killed. That's what they crucified. Touch your neighbor and say, keep your head up. Instead of complaining, just keep your head up. And other than Jesus, one of the best examples of the right responses to a battle is a man named Joseph. Will y'all help me close the message? Say Joseph. Joseph's entire life was something called betrayal. His whole life consisted of unmet expectations of loyalty from others. You may have been there. Unmet expectations of loyalty from others. Now, uh, Jacob, who is Joseph's father, he has seven children with uh, a woman named Leah. I've talked on her before. Um, Jacob's life went into great detail last year. And then he's got four between two handmaidens. And then he's got two with Rachel. So then Joseph is Jacob's 11th son with Rachel. Now, now watch this. 11 means dysfunction. And that's how some areas of your life may feel right now. Any folk, you can say, there's a couple of areas that's just look a little 11-ish. In biblical gematria, numerology, 11 means dysfunctional. Now, check this out. I'm almost done. Jake or Joseph is the 11th, which means dysfunction. But because Joseph was born, 11 takes a new meaning. Say, so what's that, Bishop? It's the meaning of Joseph's name in Hebrew, the language of our Old Testament. It means the Lord continues to increase me. Out of what? Dysfunction. You, you, you're not hearing what I'm saying. It, it means when I'm in a battle, which is the very essence of dysfunction, that's when I'm being increased. When I'm dealing with problems, that's when I'm being promoted. When I'm dealing with opposition, that's when I'm stepping into opportunity. Watch, watch. He's the 11th son. <laughs> Dysfunction. But when he's born, 11 takes a new meaning. Say, I'm being increased. Even when it looked like he was declining, he was being set up for increase. How many people you've prayed for some type of increase in your life? Maybe not financial, but some type of increase. Increase, okay. Look, look, look at me, look at me, look at me. Let me, let me tell you the answer. Your battle was an answer. Here's what you thought was going to happen. Father, you on Sunday, here's what you thought was going to happen. So you, you prayed on a Sunday morning. Father, I just received, hey, 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 I received increase. Increase. Touch, Lord, touch. Give me increase, Lord. Increase, increase. And heaven was like, okay, we got you. We're going to give you some increase. Come here, trouble. <laughs> come, come here, trouble. Because they should be suited and booted for battle. So come here, trouble. Uh, come here, trouble. Come, come, here, come here, problems. Yeah, come on. Come here, pain. Come here, betrayal. They want increase. They ask for increase. Come on. Shamon. 
heaven says, out of your battles, out of your dysfunction, out of your pain, out of your misery, out of your suffering, that's where your increase comes from. Did you catch this church? Say, that's where my increase comes from. Say it again. Say, that's where my increase comes from. So, but his journey there to get to Genesis 50 and 20 where we started, quite a journey. So watch this. As a teenager, he tells his brothers that he's going to be great. Be careful what you tell your blood. If your blood's not headed the same direction as you. Just need to know it. If you read that Bible, the greatest opposition to many people's, uh, many people's lives is that they told bloodline, thinking that bloodline meant the same as headed in the same direction. That's why Jesus took the time to redefine family and relatives because he wanted people to understand that just because you share common ancestry doesn't mean you share a common future. So watch this. His brothers put him in a pit. Say they put him in a pit. And the pit was pitiful. It represents hurt. It represents shame. And then he sold into slavery for 20 shekels of silver by his brothers. Now imagine, it's one thing to throw him in a pit. It's another thing to lie and tell Jacob, the daddy, that he's, he's dead. It's another thing, though, to sell him off. Can we just have a moment to just go back through memory lane? You ever been sold off for something? Sold off for another friend. Sold off for a better opportunity. Y'all not said that. Them. So when you were no longer the new thing, they found another new thing and got excited about the new thing. Okay, nobody can relate to that. Anybody here ever been sold off? Okay. Maybe then you can't relate to Joseph, but he was sold into slavery for 20 piece, uh, shekels of silver by his brothers. And then after he sold into slavery, he sold to this particular man named Potiphar. Potiphar was one of Pharaoh's, the king of Egypt. He was one of Pharaoh's uh, leaders. He becomes the overseer of Potiphar's home. But Potiphar's wife lies on him because he wouldn't lie with her. <laughs> Sometimes people will make up things about you so you can never tell the truth about them. Now watch this. But what's interesting, if you keep reading Joseph's story all through Genesis, if you keep reading his story, You'll keep seeing phrases like this, and the Lord was with Joseph, and the Lord favored Joseph, and the Lord gave Joseph great success in slavery. How is it even possible that in the middle of dysfunction, in the middle of a battle, that the Lord has given me favor? Could it be that the way we view success and the way we view favor is because we don't view it through a proper biblical lens and the proper biblical lens, watch this, is that sometimes the only way to access favor is you got to deal with some failure. Are you here, church? Bible kept saying stuff like that. So Potiphar believes his lying wife. Now Potiphar was a wise man, so he had to know the deal. He had to know. Okay, can we just have an interruption? Sometimes we act shocked and surprised by folk. Okay, y'all ain't going to say nothing, so I'll leave it alone. Sometimes you're shocked and surprised by a friend doing a certain thing. You're like, why are you? Okay, let's just move on. Let's move on. Sometimes we act shocked, but the reality is, is the handwriting has been on the wall the whole time. 
So I know Potiphar, after he, after he sent Jake, uh, Joseph, he sends him to prison, but it's Pharaoh's prison. I know he sends him to prison. I know he goes back home and says, now look, now just tell me the truth. Are you certain that's what happened? Are you sure that's what happened? You promised that's what happened. See, you already know they lying when you got to go through all them steps to get the truth. You sure ain't nothing else you got to tell me? Let me see. Show me the messages. Okay, watch this, watch this. He believes his lying wife. Let's move on. I'm almost done, church. And he puts Joseph into prison. But it is Pharaoh's prison. Say it's the king's prison. See, even when you're in a battle, you'll still come out on top when Jesus is with you. Because even what they think is going to be a prison for you will end up being the best thing that could have ever happened to you. I tell somebody to sap your neighbor a high five and say, this battle was the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah, because this battle made you pray. This battle made you come to church. This battle made you cry out to Jesus. This battle made you find God. So while in prison... The Lord is with Joseph. The Lord favors Joseph. So Joseph becomes the uh, warden of the prison. He's a prisoner himself, but he's the warden of the prison. <laughs> I don't think you understand that. He's a prisoner himself. Yet they say, hey, Joe, come here. Uh, here, here the keys. Lock up. <laughs> and Joe's like, well, I'm Okay. Watch this. When God is with you, even what looks like an impossibility will quickly become possible. Even what looks like an improbability will become probable in the most unsuspecting of places. It'll be a place they say you never should have been able to do it. But you'll do it anyhow. Somebody holler, he's with me. So Joseph becomes warden of the prison as a prisoner himself. He ends up interpreting some dreams. To make a long story short. Joseph ends up being promoted. Pharaoh says, Pharaoh says, I like you, boy. Where you been? Watch this. Wednesday at 7, he was a prisoner. But when he had the right response, because all throughout his journey, he did what? Kept his head up. Nowhere in his story do you see him complaining? Do you see him angry? Do you see him mad? And I'm sure he had moments of it. He was a human being just like we are. But nowhere do you see it recorded because he quickly got out of those moments where his head was down, but he kept his head up. I need you to just say it. I'm going to keep my head up. He keeps his head up, and so now he's standing in front of Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, I like you, boy. That's good interpreting you did on that dream of mine. He says, I'll tell you what. Uh, I'm going to promote you. What do you do now? I'm a prisoner in your prison. I'm a warden. You're a warden? Okay, cool. Well, here's the deal. You see that office over there next to mine? Okay, right. So, I'm Pharaoh. He says, I just don't want you to forget this. <laughs> he says, but after me, nobody in Egypt will be greater than you. I'm going to give you the ring your daddy never gave you. I'm going to give you the signet ring, the ring of power. And I'm going to put you in some better clothes. Y'all go get something better for the boy to wear. And he said, when anybody sees you, they're going to have to bow their knee as if they're dealing with me. Because this whole, I don't know your story, Joseph, but 
Something tells me it's time for your promotion. Something tells me it's time for your favor. Can I tell you how he got there, church? His whole journey, he kept his head up. And I'm here to tell somebody tonight, keep your head up. Somebody holler, keep my head up. He says, yesterday, now hold up, let me make it practical and let me make it prophetic for somebody. When you came into church tonight, you may have been in a particular battle. But because you decided to press your way, I don't know who I'm prophesying to. God says, I'm going to show you something by morning. I don't know who I'm prophesying to. If it ain't for you, then just let it pass. But if it's for you, you better put a preemptive praise on it. God says, but by morning, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do something miraculous in the most unsuspecting of places because you kept your head up. Since 1981, Unbound has connected people like you with families worldwide on their self-directed paths out of poverty. A brighter future is possible for these families when we all walk together. Sponsor a child today and you'll help a family take the first steps on their path. Change their future in just one click. Start walking with your new friend today at unbound.org walk. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10, that's V-I-A-T-O-R-10, for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.